All right, so I'm here with Keith Folk, World Series champion Keith Folk. This has been a long time coming. I mean, I mean, we've kind of known each other like here and there, like for throughout Twitter and stuff. We've had um, we've conversed here and there, back and forth. Um, and I actually got to finally see you in spring training this year in person. So that was pretty cool. Um, but so let let's start with uh, going back to the beginning of your career in Boston. Um, what was the story of you originally signing there? Did you originally want to be there or how did that work? Yeah. You know, obviously I was a, I was a free agent after the 2003 season. Um, <clears throat> you know, I played in, you know, Chicago and Oakland first, uh, you know, first part of my career and it was, they were small market teams and, um, you know, after Boston finally beat us in 03 and we went home, I remember sitting there and, uh, you know, I ended up getting, you know, see the debacle and stuff. And my dad was like, you know what, you're probably going to be a Red Sox next year, aren't you? <laughs> and it wasn't a short time later that I, my, my agent actually told me the same thing. He goes, you know, this team's going to probably come after you. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't really think much of it at the time. And, you know, season was over. We lost. I was a little disappointed, but, uh, I remember, you know, after it was all done, I came up to Boston, met with Theo, and, um, you know, we went to the Celtics game. You know, I got home, and later on, you know, Bobby Orr called and left me a message. You know, told me some some things about playing in Boston that really kind of helped solidify the decision. And, you know, I remember going, you know, telling my wife at the time, hey, you know, pack your stuff, we're going to Boston. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's awesome. I know the Red Sox definitely – you know, like taking you to a Celtics game and stuff like that. That's, you know, they, they're definitely good with trying to find ways to lure people into the, you know, attract. And at the time, it's like, it's hard because, I mean, this is pre-04, so it's pre-any championships, and you know, for 86 years. So it's like, I mean, it, it, you know, it must have been, it's not like the most attracting. It's not like as like going to the Yankees, but, you know, or how it is now. But, but yeah, the cool thing about it is, you know, we're walking in, of course, we had courtside seats. We're walking in there, and, you know, it's like the the fans knew, like, who I was. They knew uh, why I was there. And uh, so, man, the fans were standing up, cheering, hollering and stuff. And it's like, I mean, we'd only been in the building, you know, we're waiting on the seat still, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, come, you know, come to the Boston, come to Boston. So, <laughs> you know, it was, it was one of those things. Um, I mean, I had, I had known for a long time, been playing in Boston, you know, as a visiting player for, you know, seven, eight years at that point. But, you know, I knew how passionate the fans were. You know, it's like everybody knew everything about the Red Sox. And even back in those days, the fans were a little more uh, – I don't want to say that they're not loyal now, but it's like they were a little less distracted. Right. I mean, the right. place was packed every night. You know, um, as a visiting player, when I'm there with the White Sox, mm-hmm. you would still hear Yankee sucks chant yeah. every night. Every single night it went on. And I don't think you get that stuff as more. It's, you know, it's – Times have changed, you know, and people have changed, but you know, it's uh, you know, it's one of the most passionate sports cities on the planet, if not the most passionate. Yeah, I mean, the I, I think when you win more, it's definitely like you lose. I mean, you still have the diehards, but you still you get a lot more fair weather fan, you know, people who just, you know, I, they call them pink hats, like people who just like the team and if they're good and they don't really care, they're just casuals. But um, yeah, no, I'm sure back then it was like crazy because you know they hadn't won so long and yeah but so 
Yeah, yeah. You think that's back in the late nineties, early two thousands before right. you know so, the championships really started to roll into to New England. Yeah. You know, nowadays, you know, between the Sox and you know, well shit, everybody's won in the last you know, ten years, eleven, twelve years, whatever it is now, but Yeah. So let's go ahead up uh let's fast forward to the summer of that year. Um you're part of that crazy brawl against the Yankees. And everyone knows about, you know, what happened and everything, but what goes on behind the scenes of a brawl? Like, is it usually, I, I know this, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure how many brawls you've been a part of, obviously, with this being the biggest one, but what goes on behind? No, it definitely the wasn't, definitely wasn't the biggest one. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, what yeah. was the biggest one? Um, when I was with the White Sox, we had a big one with Detroit. Oh, I think I'd probably say most popular then, right? Or because I don't. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely yeah. You know, it's definitely the one you see the pictures of. I mean, it was definitely a very heated, <laughs> you know, heated exchange. Yeah. So I mean, just in general, it doesn't even have to just be about that particular brawl. What usually goes on behind the scenes? Because I don't. I feel like we don't usually get that perspective of it that much. Like we usually just get you know what happens during the brawl. And you could talk about that too, but really what goes on is it like the coaches, do they ever get involved and say, Oh, you should hit this guy or throw at him? Or is it usually just after the players or No, it's it's you know, obviously the game has changed a lot. You know, managers back in the day would, you know, have certain guys go after, you know, you know, want you to hit, you know, whoever or whoever next time up. But I don't think that uh it's not really a big part of the game anymore just because that physical aspect of the game has kind of been it's while well, they're taking it out of the game, right? You know, the game has really turned soft over the last, you know, probably decade. But, um, you know, behind the scenes, you know, it's one of those things that baseball brawls are. I know fans, you know, some fans like them. Baseballs yeah. are nasty. You know, when you get when you get sixty guys on the field, you know, a lot of them are wearing spikes, and you know, a lot of them have, um, you know, different players have a lot different intensity level depending on how involved they were you know however however it started you know yeah. there's you know there's guys that you know it's it's you know you, you have a beef with somebody on the other team you know there always seems to be one or two of those crazy guys that are just going around the edges of a pile punching people and you know taking cheap shots and you know that's how they kind of you know there's so many different layers to them but um you know they're you know they're sometimes they're good for morale but you know they're not like yeah. I said, it depends on how bad you get beat up. They're not real fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's skip ahead to the October that year. You guys are down 3-0. Um, what, what's, I mean, you're just, you just got plummeted at home by the Yankees. You're down 3-0 now. What's the mindset in the clubhouse? Because I know I, I've, Kurt Schilling has talked about this before. He said that, you know, you guys really just try to micromanage everything. You guys try, you know, every – you didn't even think about the next inning. It was about every pitch, you know, every – you'd have to win every out, win every, you know, just little tiny thing um, and not think about the future. So what was really your perspective of, you know, how you guys had any shot in coming back because it's pretty – you know, it was pretty demoralizing. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely – it was a tough um... – you know, a situation, you know, you, you played yourself into a huge deficit. Um, it's, you know, I guess different people think of a different way. You know, if Kurt talked about micromanaging, I think it was the exact opposite. It comes yeah. a point where you're like, screw it. Hey, you know, we're, we're, we have two things are going to happen. We're going to come back. We're going to win tomorrow, play the next day. Yeah. Or we're going to go home. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it came a point for, I know for me and for a lot of us, it, it just takes the pressure off. 
You know, it's like party, you know, you've already kind of done your bad deeds. It's like, now it's time to pay the piper. You know, it's like, we're going to stand up, you know, you're going to kind of bow your chest a little bit and say, Hey, you know what? We're going to go out there and play as hard as we can tomorrow. We're going to worry about the next pitch, you know, which I guess maybe that's what he's talking about. You know, you're going to go out there and you're, you're going to go out there and play kind of stress-free and go out there and relax and play like you know how to play, you know, like you said, win every inning, you know, and, and you know, just, just stay in the, stay in the now and, you know, we'll see what we can do. And, you know, obviously it's, you know, everybody knows we were, we were several inches from being done. Yeah. We'll put on a, you know, pack the truck, we're going home, but you know, it's, um, Game it was a scrappy team. It was an intelligent team. You know, I don't think we, we didn't panic, you know, and once you kind of got that ball rolling and we got going in the right direction, it was like, you know, like Millar says, Hey, don't let us win one. Yeah. Right. And that's basically, right. it's kind of funny how, all that really turned out, you know, that's exactly how it happened as the momentum got going, you know, we were, we were good to go. Yeah. It really does feel like a fairy tale. It's, it's crazy. No, it, it, it doesn't feel yeah. like it. It, it was. Right. Was it, well, yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> Forget it feels like it. Cause I mean, the whole Boone home run, all the, you know, the 86 world series, all the horrible, you know, the crazy, you know, they had good years and they just choke in the end. Well, and then it all leads up to, you know, oh four. It's just okay yeah. Oh, I see that picture of what is that of in the back? Oh, that's a that's a Nike poster. Oh, okay. oh and then I see you in Veritech. Yeah, there you go. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is my this is Dad's office. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, in the, in the Kevin Millar speech, obviously that you know that'll never get old. And, <laughs> You know, if we lose game four, it's like, you know, who knows what happens with his career. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, maybe he never gets into TV and all that stuff. But, <laughs> right. yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. You know, it's like you look back and you're, not, and you're like, wow, it's, you know, that really was, that really was the case. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Um, so the World Series happens. I mean, you guys come back against the Yankees. World Series happens. It's kind of anticlimactic because it wasn't dramatic. You just, you, I mean, Kurt Schilling, like I, I mentioned him before, he was saying, it just they were going to be lucky to win one game the cardinals there was no chance um so i mean you got that final out ball what what's going through your head i mean the every like the all the ghosts and the the curse like of all the 86 years of of pain and frustration are about are in your literally in your hands like what what's going through your head at that time did you black out or what's the I definitely didn't black out, but, you know, I, re I remember, you know, I don't know how, what our, our demographic is here on the language, but, <laughs> you know, it was as, as I made the pitch to the plate, you know, first of all, I didn't think he was going to swing at it because the ball was kind of up and out of the zone. I didn't think he was going to swing. And next thing you know, it's like he just kind of rolls over and this ball back to me. And as soon as that happened, it's like I jumped, and that's when everything kind of went into light speed. Yeah. You know, it's like it happened so fast. You know, I, I jumped for the ball. I didn't really need to jump for it. You know, the ball's like in and out of my glove, sitting on the end of the glove. But I just remember when, as soon as I kind of grabbed it and started running over there, I was just thinking, oh, man, don't don't F this up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went to like pump once. So I'm like, maybe one more step. It kind of double pump and they kind of underhand it. And I remember, you know, underhanding as soon as he gets, you know, the ball gets there. Then all of a sudden it was like, complete world just fell off the shoulders you know it's uh you know I turned and looked for Jason and I was like man it was you know literally it was it was one of those things where all the 
you know, the pressure and, and, you know, your career, you know, when you talk about sometimes you die, I guess, you know, your life flashes before your eyes. Right, That's right. basically what happened for me on, you know, on a professional level, you know, it's like, you know, I've been playing this game since I was six years old yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, it's like you're at the pinnacle and, you know, all eyes are on you. Turned to Jason, it was like just, you know, the elation and the joy and the, I mean, it was just, I mean, overwhelming. It was the best thing I've ever felt in my life. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I mean, do you, by the way, do you have the ball? Like, where is that ball? <laughs> I got to tell people the ball, the ball's safe. Oh, okay. So you the don't, you, okay. So we'll, we'll keep that a secret, but, but according to you, you know. It's right, in a safe there. place. All right, there you go. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you're such a big part of the Red Sox lore. Um, although I feel you're kind of overlooked sometimes because, you know, you think back on the L4 team, Manny, Poppy, Pedro, Kurt Schilling. Um, you know, everyone else, but it's like, you were, you're such a big part in, I mean, your numbers that year were insane. Um, so you're such a huge part in, in that championship. And, and really, I mean, there's a whole argument. It's like, if they don't win in 04, do they win in 07 and 13 and 18? And, and that's an argument to be made. Um, so what nah, do you, you can't, that's well, you can't compare those teams. I mean, it, it's, it's tough to compare, you know, yeah, I mean, like that, but I know what you're saying. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I know. No, I know what you mean, but it's like I, I think I think they win. So, I mean, there's it's it's the hypotheticals. You could just go on forever. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, because maybe they don't win that series against. Yeah, but seven. yeah, but you know the thing is, is is after you know Mr. Henry and 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 the Fenway Group came in and bought the team, they changed the whole culture. They changed the culture of how. Uh, baseball in Boston was going to be played. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember there, you know, back in the day, it was, I don't know, it was early 2000s, late 90s when it was, you know, they had plans for a new ballpark. Really? Oh, my God. You know, they, you know, yeah. Fenway was on its last leg. Wow. And, you know, obviously they didn't do it, but they got to where they started to put money back into the team mm-hmm. or into the, uh, to the, the structure into Fenway. Okay. And because, you know, as a visiting player, when you go in someplace, if you have to spend every day at home in a place that's uncomfortable, you know, you don't get the big free agents in there, right. you know, and, and they really started to change that over time. And, you know, the way the place looks now compared, you know, even, I yeah. guess, you know, 15, 18 years ago, whenever I played there, mm-hmm. they've, they've done some great work that that place, the, the stuff they've done to that stadium has made it, I mean, truly, you know, probably one of the best stadiums in baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, so they changed the culture. So they were going to win eventually. Yeah. You know, just just the Cubs. You know, eventually you're going to win. It's just you know how long do you have to wait? Just the way it happens is like it just happened to be the most dramatic way possible. Oh yeah, I mean it's like you said, it's a fairy tale. You know, it's like you watch a dance the movie the movie Fever Pitch. You know, it's like (laughs) they had to change the ending because they they expected it to be another heartbreak. Yeah. Um. So when when did the ownership buy the team? By the way. Because when did they introduce? Oh, early early two thousands, I think two thousand two thousand one. I mean, because I think oh four they had had it for several years, I believe. You know, uh, I'm not really sure. Because I think they got they introduced Wally in like ninety nine. I feel like that was the beginning of. Because I think Fenway like twenty thirty years ago, like in the stands was a lot different than it is now because like the way people were like I think it was I think it's more family friendly now at Fenway than it was, say, you know, like 20, 30 years ago. Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's one of those things. That's Fenway, but that's, that's across league. Yeah, the world, league. right. No, you know, it, it's, right. you know, the, baseball used to be a man's sport, and you'd go yeah. there, and there's, you know, it, 
depending yeah. on where you sat, it'd get pretty foul. <laughs> right, right, uh, exactly. Um, so what does that mean to have been a big, huge part of like so many Red Sox fans' lives? I mean, people going to their, you know, families' graves and just putting, you know, whatever and, and like just remembering you giving these fans memories for the rest of your lives. I mean, what does that mean to you? Oh, you know, it was an honor to be part of that team. And I feel very fortunate and, and prideful that I was, we were able to accomplish what we accomplished. And, you know, I, I embrace people, stories like that. You know, I still hear them today, you know, a few times a year. And, you know, I love it. I listen to them. And, you know, I'm very proud to be part of, you know, um, you know, as we call it, putting the curse to rest. You know, it's, I mean, obviously we had, played there three years I only had one good year so <laughs> if you're gonna have a good year in a career it's not a bad year to do you're it right no absolutely so, and, you know it's it's the reason why you know I still work with the Red Sox and the you know, player development side the minor leagues and you know that probably has a lot to do with it mm-hmm. yeah so I mean you were never a guy who relied on a really hard I mean nowadays you see all these guys coming out they're throwing 98 um like literally everyone but you never threw that hard you always relied on you know lo- good location and good off-speed stuff to get out um so how are you able to learn to be so elite with that stuff um with Oakland and Boston you know without 98 up your sleeve yeah well you know there was a couple years in my career where I was I was actually throwing pretty hard I was up into the you know low to mid 90s but (laughs) I developed my style I talked to a lot of great hitters over the years and I developed my style and I I chose – I could have thrown harder, but I chose to be – I didn't want to give give up control for velocity. Right. You know, so it, it was one of those things where, you know, it's like I developed, you know, I wanted to be able to pick the zone apart. You know, every good hitter has, you know, has spots that you can pitch to them. Mm-hmm. And that was my philosophy. You know, I'm going to try and pitch you down and away, up and in. I'm going to pull the string on you a little bit, get you, uh, you know, get, get you guessing on the, the change of velocity and, you know, play the percentages. Right. Um, and you did, you pitched a lot like throughout like the postseason in 04 and just that year. And then the year before then after, because I think back then they treated relievers a little differently than now they're less cautious with them. Do you think that's why maybe your career ended a couple of years after 04? Or? No, 04 had nothing to do with it. You know, like, my, my knees, you know, are basically what took me out of the game. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, that problem started, a few years before 04, yeah. <laughs> you know, 03, 03, you know, they were bothering me. You think after 04, I went back for spring training in 05. The doctors looked at me. The doctor's like, I don't think you should play. Oh my they God. wanted to shut me down in spring training to operate on my knees. That's how bad they were. And I was, I, you know, coming off of obviously the eyes of, of winning the world series. And, you know, I was also going through a divorce. So the lows in life. So, mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the times where I really leaned on baseball to, to, to try and get me through. And uh, ultimately, it was one of the two worst decisions I've ever made in my life because I, 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 I lost the strength of my legs. And when that was the big, you know, that was my true base of my pitching. And once that happened, I, you know, it was downhill fast. Yeah. The arm's still, the arm's fine. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> knees, so you... are, knees, are, knees are what kills me. <laughs> How hard do you think you could throw, like, right now if you – Took a baseball and threw it as hard as you oh, could. Oh shit, not not very hard. <laughs> it's it's a it's a cautious delivery. Right. You know, uh, we throw every year down in fantasy camp. Okay. You know, and it's one of those things. It's you know, I throw it hard enough to get it by most people, but right. not, <laughs> not the last thing I want to do is being forty or forty six, forty seven, forty eight, however old I am, 
the last thing I want to do right now is go out there and try and, you know, flex my muscles, try and throw hard and blow my shoulder out, <laughs> try, try and rehab a shoulder and elbow at 50. It's like, no, no, it's not what, well, it doesn't pay as, as well anymore. So right. honestly, I mean, with the way this, the Red Sox bullpen has been over the last years too, like, and I don't think a lot of fans would complain if you were out, suddenly were out there one day during one of the games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People talk. Oh, shit. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. You know, people people complain about that stuff, but it's one of those things that yeah, our right. bullpen's not bad. You know, it's like, you know, you, you go through periods. But we yeah. had a lot of – we have a lot of younger guys in the bullpen over the previous couple of years. But last year, you started to see some of those younger guys getting a few years under their belts, you right. know, and they're they're starting to dominate them, uh, establish themselves as you know as quality big league uh, bullpen guys. You know, it's uh, we had Kimbrel in the back end for you know for a while, but everybody in front of him was relatively young in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So it's um, you know it's ups and downs, and you know people are always going to look at the bullpen because it's that you know it's that kind of. Uh, you know, either you're the hero or you're the goat. You know, right. It's a whole, not a whole lot of middle ground in that. Right, right. Um, my favorite Red Sox reliever of all time, who's not who I didn't, who I got to watch, uh, was Koji. I'm sure you obviously know of him. Um, oh, and yeah. reason, reason being is he just threw, he never threw hard. Literally 88, 89 is what he averaged, and he got all these outs with his nasty splitter and everything. So, um, you know, it was really cool to see him. He was so much fun to watch. I'm sure I feel like he, yeah he had a he had a great style he he pitched within himself mm-hmm. you know and he used uh, a sneaky fastball yeah. and he used that change of pace and you know and, and Frank Thomas was probably one of the first people that told me years ago you know hitters can see down in and out you know they can handle a hundred hundred plus mm-hmm. you know after seeing it right. but what the hardest thing for them to see is the front to back the uh-huh. change of velocity is the one thing they can't see. And if you can sell it out of the hand that it's a fastball, hitters will always protect fastball first. They never want to get beat by fastballs. And, then and so that's, you know, that's why, that's why you see a lot of different um, styles, you know, mm-hmm. working, you know, because, you know, you, and, and, you know, that's what Koji did very well is he stayed within himself. He had his style of pitching and he never, he never went away from, it. you know, right. he didn't try to throw 95. He could probably throw harder if he wanted also. But, you know, good control, sneaky fastball with the nasty, you know, off speed. and yeah, That gets it done. Yeah. yeah. And so you have a job now, you mentioned before. Um, is it with Portland, the Sea Dogs? or? Well, I work with the uh, – my, my title is I'm a bullpen advisor for the player development, which is the minor league. So I roam around between Pawtucket, Portland, and Salem, Virginia. Oh, okay. So you're not with so, uh, affiliate. You're just – you're with all of them loosely kind of. Yeah, yeah. So I travel around between those three levels, and uh, you know, my job is basically to help mentor the the younger pitchers, mm-hmm. you know, into uh, ultimately when they get the call to the big leagues, they get to the big leagues and they're ready. You know, it's um, <clears throat> we've worked on their you know their strategy, and and obviously now there's so much with uh, scouting reports, get so much information that comes down on hitters. Oh yeah, we have all kinds of scouting reports, so we have to you know establish those. Um, those routines of, of learning your hitters, um, you know, these guys have to know, uh, you know, how to attack hitters, you know, mm-hmm. certain situations, you know, to keep your foot on the gas, there are certain situations you need to be smart. Think about the hitter on deck, 
you know, so you have to be able to think about all these different situations where when you get onto the, the mound in Fenway in a big game, you know, you're not shitting down your leg. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you have uh, a routine to, to lean back on and try and get through the butterflies and be able to go out there and compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you worked with any pitchers like that have either gone on to be fairly well in the big leagues or that you, any pitchers now that you see have a bright future? Um, in their careers yeah I mean uh, you know a lot of the people that I've worked with for a few years you know um, you think about you know Josh Taylor comes to mind he looks like he's gonna be established big leaguer Uh, but a lot of the younger guys that you know I've had relationships with for for three or four years now those are the guys that are starting to get to the big leagues Mm -hmm. you know Bobby Pointer and Trevor Kelly and uh, who else have we got? Um, Travis Lakins, you know, went to the Cubs. Kelly's now with the Phillies. So, you know, it's one of those things is a lot of, you know, these minor leaguers that, you know, start doing well, we may never see them in Boston. Right. You know, or they may be for a very short time because, you know, obviously trades are a big part of you know, sports. And so a lot of, um, you know, basically I, I, I feel that if we can get them to the big leagues, you know, that's an accomplishment. You know, you kind of hand them over to the next level and, you know, there you guys go. This is what we got for you. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to 04 um, for a couple more questions before I let you go. Um, so you guys win, you go home. What was the parade experience like? I've heard that was one of the craziest things ever. <laughs> I mean, that was, yeah. That was, that was another one of those, um, you know, a lot of people win championships. Um, but that parade in 04 was – <laughs> it was it was it was mind blown, you know. It really was uh you know, obviously they've been waiting for a parade for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you know, being on those duck boats and as soon as we roll out of the stadium you start to see people, you know, a couple people or a couple minutes into it, you're mm-hmm. looking out on like literally a vast sea of people. Yeah. You know, it's like just you're loud, oh my lord. I remember Back in the day, I had one of the camcorders that had the cord disc. I think I took two batteries and like four discs. It only lasted like half the parade. Oh my god! You know, but the the people, it was just like it was overwhelming. Yeah. The amount of people, you know, and everybody's hollering at you, you know, and obviously you only get a couple seconds with you know with each person. We kind of hear some of these stories and stuff. It was, and when we went out into the river. You know, looking back, you know, looking at the at the shores, you're like, holy cow, man. You know, people out swimming in the water. And at this oh point, God. hell, it might have been, I don't know if it was November when the parade. I don't even remember what day it was. But Probably November, early November. It was, uh, it was literally, it was overwhelming. I mean, hell, we almost sank the duck boats. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. So, I remember hearing a story about how the um, – the owner, I guess, was watching on TV. The duck boats was calling people like, oh, my God, you guys are going to sink those boats. Oh, my God. Because, <laughs> oh I mean, the water was, like, literally up to the edge because right. they were, you know. <laughs> That's it was funny. But that parade was, I mean, as good as winning the World Series was, the parade was was definitely the whipped cream and cherry on top. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was an incredible, overwhelming experience. Favorite 2004 story? that you have that we probably don't oh, know. I mean, well, if you don't know about it, there's a good chance you never will know about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's true. That's appropriate. Yeah, for- but <laughs> it's, uh, 
you know, it was one of those things. It was the, the 2004 favorite story. Obviously, we know what the favorite story is. Yeah. But it's, um, you know, that season was, was a bonding experience that, you know, a, a group of men will have for the rest of their lives. You know, and that's one thing that the Red Sox and they do very well is they, they keep former players around. Yeah. You know, you always see players at the stadium, former players. And so it's, it's great around these guys a couple times a year. Um, the, uh, we're supposed to have another alumni game, you know, here in a, you know, next week, but obviously yeah. I got canceled, but yeah. you know, that was a great experience. And, you know, being able to just have that bond with these guys, you know, that, you know, I can remember how many players there were that year, probably about 50, mm-hmm. it's like 50 men did something that, you know, no other team had done in Boston for, you know, for 86 years. So it was, uh, you know, that's, that's what I take from 04, you know, just the, the bonding and the battles that we went through the, the ups and downs through the years and stuff. And, you know, that was, that's what I remember about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Keith Falk, World Series champion. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time. All right, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad we finally got this done. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on. Let me just stop the recording really.